BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, July 8th, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a man who is training to handle birds of prey, Jerem Jordan. Let's talk about you, not me. Uh, Friday, you you had your first eagle, dude. That's amazing. I have had like maybe one birdie. I'm not very good at the golf, at the golfing. Yes. I'm going basketballing. Yeah, you, you were like, hey, it's not golf. Playing it's, golf. You're, you're not basketballing, although I kind of like that. Or soccering. Soccering. Or tennising. Yeah, I, I kind of like those, actually. Um, <laughs> but anyways, you, you uh, hold out on, uh, on Sleepy on Friday. Yeah, Congrats, so, man. Thank you. So I, I've We made... buried the lead. It's Wednesday. I know. How are we just mentioning this today? What the heck, man? I'm, I've made a couple of putts for Eagle. So this is my third Eagle all-time. I've never holed out mm. from 100 yards. I've never made an Eagle on a par four, for that matter. Like on a par five, You've whatever. never Eagled. A par four. I've, e- never, I've never eagled. You've never a par gone four. eagling. Yeah. And the thing there, is, there it is. I did it with one of our BY Sports Nation followers. Yeah. At, at Tar Hilled Coog. Right, th- right there. See that uh, Lavelle Lil- Edwards, uh, you know, cup. What's it called? A coaster? Yeah. That's beautiful. Coaster. He made that. He's a woodworking specialist. Yeah. Um, he's done some incredible stuff. Uh, he's also a very good golfer. Nice. Um, so I was happy with him as my witness. Okay, so it was real. I was like, you need, a, you you need, need a, witness. a witness. You need a witness. He and his father. I was like, okay, you can't deny it now. I've got, I've got two witnesses. <laughs> because two people can't lie. That's a, that's a big deal in this culture, right? Multiple witnesses. Don't get me going on the law of witnesses. Of my eagle on Two or three people him. could lie, right? <laughs> but, like, I believe... You know, Tar Heel Coog and his dad. Yes. So that's that's awesome, man. Congrats. That was really and then, cool. uh, hey, how about Michael Smith? Well, one somebody, of the all-time greats. Somebody had to show me up. Hole in one. Michael Smith, hole in one. Now, this is his sixth. <laughs> Michael Smith is one of the greatest athletes in BYU history because the dude was a high school All-American, um, and, and he's an unbelievable golfer, obviously basketball, but he could play football and baseball and volleyball or whatever. Like, he's just amazing. He didn't tweet at us, though. I'm kind of offended. Yeah, why didn't you include at Spencer underscore Linton and at Jerem Jordan yeah. or at BYU Sports Nation? Yeah, what the heck, Mike? We're the ones publicizing this right now for you yeah, on national television. Jim, we're doing that. <laughs> Congrats, Mike. That's six awesome. holes in one. Six. That's great, dude. And I just want six holes in one at, uh, you know, putt-putt. Like, if I get six out of the 18, I'm like, oh. Good day. Well, I'm pretty sure Kim Jong Il had 11 holes in one in one round of 18 holes. He right? is the greatest golfer of all time, <laughs> according to North Korea. <laughs> oh, on that note, uh, we've got a few aces in today's show lineup. The voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebel, on what kind of contingencies he's preparing for when it comes to college football and calling the games. The top 10 defenses BYU football will face this season, we hope. Plus, BYU head volleyball coach Sean Olmstead on his top new signees. And the best to ever wear number 46 is the owner of multiple Super Bowl rings. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Today, the Ivy League yes, is expected to announce a plan to move all fall 2020 sports, including football, to spring 2021. We've talked about this. Maybe someone's going to actually do it. 
To this point, no league has made this move. Could this set the tone for more leagues to pursue this delayed option? We will pursue that topic in What's Trending. Some pro basketball news out of Spain. Barcelona has announced plans to extend Brandon Davies' deal through the end of the 2021-2022 season. Davies joined Barcelona last season and played in 56 games with the team. In 28 games in EuroLeague, he averaged... 9.6 points a game, four rebounds, and apparently has impressed the ownership because they want him to stick around for a lot longer. And this is one of the top tiers, or sorry, the top tier team, if not the best team in EuroLeague. Yeah, this is one of the best non-NBA teams in the world. So he's in a great situation. Congratulations to Brandon, who we've known since he was a freshman in high school. Crazy. We called some of those games. Wild. Uh, when his shoes looked like they were two sizes too big, you know, and when here his, he is with Barcelona. Yeah, his, his size 15s on a, on a 10th grader. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> He'd miss these jump hooks, and we're like, he's this close to being awesome. <laughs> Unfortunately, it hasn't really worked yet. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, it's it's worked awesome. out. Former Cougar quarterback, now Alabama offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian underwent a successful cardiovascular surgery Thursday. Mm. During an annual physical, it was determined he needed surgery to correct a congenital cardiovascular anomaly. So he's expected to uh, recover fully. That's the hope when you have surgery. So uh, best of luck to uh, Sark. Yeah, glad he's doing well so far. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. The Ivy League leading the trend in college football? They Jerem. used to a long time ago. They won all the natties originally. Touche. Uh, but it's been uh, 90 years. 90 years. <laughs> <laughs> been a long time. Jerem, right now, would you, like the Ivy League, rather move all of the 2020 college football season to the spring of 2021? Yes. Let me tell you why. Wow. Do we think that we're going to get a vaccine at some point? Yes, right? Uh-huh. When is it more likely, in the fall or the spring? In the spring, probably more time, right? Uh, Dr. Fauci, the voice of doctors for COVID, uh, says if it happened this year, it'd be late this year, right? I'm not expecting it this year. Once there's a vaccine, don't we feel way more comfortable with this entire situation? Like, oh, I'm comfortable getting sick because we have a vaccine, right? Yeah, you can go to the doctor, get a shot, and you're all good. That's the hope, right? And that's not 100% fail-proof, right? But it's closer to that than it is now. Every course. time I get a flu shot, uh, I realize that it's not uh, 100% fail. And I'm not like a flu shot guy because I'm like, is this going to am I going to get the flu now from that? Like, are you giving the f- is that, I mean, I Brad Pitt in World War Z here anyway, wrecking me on fever. Anyway, I think that this would be a better option if we actually want to play a full season, because right now it just feels like, like I said yesterday, and I got really frustrated yesterday. How is this going to work? Is it going to work? I just think the idea of moving into spring, I know it complicates a lot of things. It really does. But I would just rather have football in its entirety than not. And if that means moving to the spring, great. Um, and what if we get a vaccine and then we're good? Like, then, then, everything's, then everything's good. Right now, there's just a lot of uncertainty. And with that comes a certain level of uh, nervousness, anxiety, and uh, misunderstanding. There is a great chance that the college football season will be interrupted if it starts in the fall. At some point, something will happen, and there will be a shutdown, games missed, and it'll probably get pushed into (laughs) the spring anyway. So if you want continuous play, and this is all based on what we are, the trends we are seeing right now with 
Oklahoma and Texas and Clemson and Alabama and all of these schools, the University of Houston shut down all their athletics facilities because it's six athletes across multiple sports test positive in one day. The thing that's frustrating is we don't know what these cases are developing into. Like, are they asymptomatic? And are the reports that asymptomatic people are less likely to spread COVID actually true? There's just so and much. Can you get it again? Inconclusive uh, information about COVID-19 out there that we just don't know. It, it's all about like uh, we're just kind of stepping into the unknown and seeing what's happening right now. The NBA is doing that. Major League Baseball is set to do that on July 23rd. Major League Soccer is set to do that this weekend, albeit with one of their full squads pulling out of the Major League Soccer is back tournament because they had so many players test positive. Brace yourself for that exact situation is, in college football. Is that going to happen with an entire college football team? The Ivy League is trying to preempt this whole thing and said, you know what? We're just going to well, let the athletes focus on academics in the fall, and we're going to play football in the spring. And they were the first to cancel their tournament in basketball. They were ahead of the curve on that. How about that? I, I, I know that moving to the spring is very complicated. Like, it, it messes up everything with the NFL. Because now what do you do with the draft, right? The draft would have to be pushed back, and now they're getting, NFL teams are getting players later. Da, da, da. To me, is the point to play or not? Is it not? That's the point. Are we going to are we going to try and play these games or not? Because if not, like right now, I I know the NBA is playing because they need the money, and the salary cap is affecting. Da da da. Logistically, I go, why play at all? Why not just start the season later? But they want to crown a champ. They want to play. They want the money. I I get it. Yeah. I well, it. I mean, right now, I would not rather move. I would rather that we find uh, a cure for this thing and a vaccine. But it ain't happening for a while. And let's play right. college football and maintain. Like college football and the fall go hand in hand. It's one. Sure. It's what makes the fall my favorite time of year. Yeah, it makes the fall tolerable. Yeah. Like, like when it gets really as cold, it gets it's colder. like, what do I have? Oh, I have football. Yes. Sweet. Yeah. It's, like I'm not a skier, snowboarder. So in the winter, I go. Oh, at least I can be inside of basketball. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah, yeah, if it means pushing to 2021 for us to have college football, then yeah, no, no question. I just want to, I'd rather play than not. Whatever it takes. Okay. Topic two. Today marks the 10 year anniversary of the decision when LeBron James took his talents to South Beach, changing the course of NBA history, perhaps. Mm. Spencer, let us liken this unto ourselves. What is the most impactful decision in BYU sports history? (laughs) The decision of one Jerem Jordan to work with Spencer. No. Uh, well, we were lucky that other people couldn't host this <laughs> show, and then we got it. That's a true story. In all seriousness, the most impactful decision in BYU sports history is the decision to make Lavelle Edwards the head football coach at BYU in 1972. Oh, that's a great one. Think about everything that transpired thereafter. BYU's national championship in 1984, their rise to prominence, the passing game becoming a way more prominent thing in college football. BYU's only Heisman Trophy winner came to BYU because he wanted to play in that passing offense, the West Coast attack under Lavelle Edwards. Ty Detmer was here and won the Heisman because of that man. The stadium is named after him. 29 seasons, 22 bowl games, 20, or sorry, 19 conference championships college football Hall of Famer, and he is a top 10 coach in terms of winning all time. Still to this day, number seven on that list, Lavelle Edwards. And his, think about his coaching tree, Andy Reid, Mike Holmgren, Brian Billick, 
we're talking about multiple guys that have gone on to win Super Bowls, and they all look back at Lavelle saying, he's the guy. He's the guy that I attribute my start to. That's pretty stinking incredible. LeBron, Lavelle. Ooh. The capital Ooh. B and the capital V, you know what yes. I'm saying? LeBron. Yeah, Lavelle Edwards. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's the answer. That's a great answer. I, I'd like to bring up another one. I think going independent is a big storyline in BYU history. I don't think it's the biggest, but I think it's big. Because BYU was having great success at the end of the Mountain West era. Let's talk about 06 uh, you know, to 09. That's the four... Four-year winningest set uh, BYU's ever had. Even in the 80s, BYU didn't have 43 wins in a four-year set. Mm. That was big, right? 2010 was a reset on it, mainly because Harvey Unga wasn't there, and uh, BYU played a freshman quarterback, right? Um, 2011, BYU wins 10 again, so that's big time. But th- this, this, this was born of Utah going to the Pac-12. Obviously, BYU wanted a better contract, but when Utah left, that like pushed it over the edge, right? Like, oh, well... We need to better ourselves, too, because we're, we don't want to stay behind in a lesser league. And so here we are nine years later. BYU is kind of still seeking to get over that hump of validating the on-the-field product. The off-the-field's validated. Like, no, BYU's with Nike and ESPN. This is amazing, right? Um, it's the on-the-field part that BYU is still seeking in, uh, nine years later. And I'm excited to see if BYU can get to that point. We've talked about all kinds of you know, issues preventing that, and hopefully BYU takes care of those, and they're good. But I think that was a big decision in the course of BYU history, not just looking backwards, but I think looking forward, I'm concerned about the idea of uh, Power 5 inclusion. Obviously, BYU is divorced on purpose, so they're single and mar- marriable right now. Uh, but I don't know that right now we feel like BYU is going to be invited to a Power 5. Like Something has to drastically change for that to happen, but at least we think BYU is in a better spot yes, than and- they would be. So if BYU does end up in a Power 5 conference at some point, how much of that will be attributed to the decision to go independent? And, and maybe BYU's not in a better spot. Maybe winning in the Mountain West would have raised the profile more. I don't know. I think that would be a fun conversation. I just want football in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Lavelle. Thank you for bringing him to BYU in 1972. And uh, Tommy, 62, actually, but the head coach in 72. Tommy Hudspeth was the uh, guy that brought him, right? The head coach that hired him as an assistant from Granite High School. The fiery Tommy Hudspeth. Yep. So is hiring Tommy Hudspeth the greatest, Therefore, most impactful Therefore, who hired Tommy Hudspeth? Who was the AD <laughs> that hired Tommy Hudspeth? Time to hear from you, BYU Sports Nation. What is the most impactful decision made in BYU sports history? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At BYU underscore Jer 98 answers on Instagram. Hiring Tom Holmo. He's helped to advance BYU sports in countless ways, and the majority of programs have seen success because of his moves. He's the man that hired Dave Rose. He's the man that hired Bronco Mendenhall and Kalani Sitake and Mark Pope in the big money sports. But look at what... The Olympic sports have done. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, but when the history of BYU sports is written, it's going to be a, a mostly football-basketball conversation. That's just how it is. No, we love the other sports. No one champions the other sports like us and the show, absolutely. So, no, that's, that's a big one. I don't agree that it's the uh, you know, most impactful sure. one ever, but I think it certainly is impactful. Yeah. Absolutely. Coming up, 10 and 10 returns the best defenses the Cougars could face this fall. And the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Is he all in on spring football in a new way for BYU? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. 
the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. In 48 hours minus 17 minutes, the BYU Sports Nation Reviewables return Friday as we look back at the 2001 football season where the Cougars went 12-2, and Luke Staley's Doak Walker Award year, and we chat with Brandon Doman. It's Friday on BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan. It is now our pleasure to welcome in on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, once again via Zoom, the voice of the the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Greg, welcome back to the show. How are things? Things are good. Morning, guys. Good to be with you again. Yeah, we appreciate the time. And, uh, man, I almost hate asking this question, but based on what the Ivy League is expected to do, moving their college football season to the spring of 2020, what do you think of a spring college football season that would involve BYU and the rest of the FBS? Well, it's kind of a a tough concept of which to conceive because we're such creatures of of broadcast and sporting world habit. Uh, Let's note that the Ivy League, as Jaron mentioned earlier, was a little ahead of the curve uh, when it came to the decision to to shut down postseason basketball. Now, it's a little different. I, I don't think the FBS is waiting to see what the Ivy League and other FCS bodies decide, but there could be somewhat of a trickle-down effect. Now, it's interesting. The Ivy League is a relatively small collection of FCS schools in the Northeast, from New Hampshire in the North to Pennsylvania and New Jersey in the South. But you can drop that pebble in the Northeast corner of the country and feel some ripples. Now, currently, BYU's opponents have no Ivy League opponents on their schedules. The Patriot League has also talked about possibly moving away from the fall. Similarly, none of BYU's opponents have scheduled Patriot League teams right now. But if, if those teams drop out of the fall, that will create vacancies in other teams' schedules. Those teams will then seek other teams to fill those spots or face the possibility of losing a game, a home game, and home gate. Now, granted, the home gate could be lower than expected because of stadium capacity. But all that said, there's going to be a ripple effect. And so if the FCS and other leagues decide to do this, it will be felt elsewhere. Now, not to the extent where the FBS is hanging on that decision, but it's going to have some kind of impact. The question is, you know, to what extent? Uh, There have been some P5, you know, personnel, ADs and others who've conceded the possibility of a schedule shift. And then you're, well, now now how how do basketball and football coincide in the spring? How do they coexist in the spring? Now, there already is coexistence happening in the fall. Uh, You know, the month of November, and you could say part of December, happens with football and basketball playing concurrently. So we've been in that situation for a long time. We might be in it again, just in a different part of the calendar. Are you getting the sense that if we do play in the fall, that it it could be incredibly disjointed? Because that's what it sort of feels like, that hey, BYU was expected to play this team, but for whatever reason, they're not coming. I, I know in, in dealing with different schedules that we've had conversations, other teams on campus thought they were playing a certain team up until weeks ago, but now they're not because that team says they're not coming or whatever. This feels like it's going to be the most unique season in terms of scheduling ever. And, and so much of it, Jerem, rides on what's happening on those campuses. Are students present on those campuses? Is it an online learning environment? Are there some schools who will simply say, if there are no students, there are no sports? You could see situations in which some you know, leadership bodies decide to make 
student athletes' participation contingent upon student participation on the campus, physically on campus. And so many of those decisions have yet to be finalized. And, and beyond all of that, I think availability might trump ability when it comes time to compete and win games this fall, presuming a fall schedule proceeds. Just who will be available to play? For how long will they be available to play? Whether it's a COVID situation or simply an injury situation precipitated by lack of a true offseason, we're going to see a lot of things come into play just to the extent of, of who can play the game if the games are to be played. Greg Rubel with us on BYU Sports Nation, the voice of the Cougars. Greg, what does uh, Major League Baseball coming back and the NBA in the bubble in Orlando and Major League Soccer making a return, what do those things do for you mentally in hopes that maybe college football can happen? Or does it not impact uh, your hopes in that regard at all? Well, I've thought a lot about it. And we have bubble environments that have been proposed and, and are hopefully going to be executed but they really don't relate, you know, a lot to what's happening in college football or what could happen in college football. It's an entirely different scenario. We're talking about leagues of uh, smaller rosters, smaller numbers of teams in those leagues, and the ability to more or less contain your environment if you choose to do so. Now we're talking about 130 FBS teams alone. Forget the FCS for a second. And these programs have more than 100 participants to worry about, let alone support staff and coaches, and you cannot bubble college football. If, if these students are, 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 are going on a day-to-day basis about their campuses, there's a whole different level of exposure than you could ever you know, uh, you know, seek to contain. And so what the pro leagues are doing you know, may indeed work to an extent for them, but we've already seen the hiccups there with teams pulling out and facilities being closed and teams delaying travel. It's, it doesn't even relate to what's going to happen with 130 FBS programs on open college campuses if they are open. So the, the, the college sports world, the, the college football world right now, has been given um, an exceptional burden to carry. And, and the question is, can these teams bear it? And, and that remains to be seen at this point. The only true bubble is in space, right? You wouldn't let anyone in or out that had something, right? That, and then... Couldn't the Missionary Training Center be a model for that? That's the bubble I was in that was truly a bubble, right? I couldn't really get out, and no one really got in. So maybe we need to look at that. Let's talk about basketball in this too, Greg, because we're focusing on football because it's first, but basketball is not far away as well. Um, what, what do you think happens there? Because there have been discussions about perhaps moving the season up a little bit for an extended maybe uh, break during, uh, you know, after Thanksgiving when a lot of campuses are going to encourage, like BYU's, students to not be on campus and attend from, uh, from home. You mean delaying the start, moving it back a little bit? Yeah. Or starting it up a little bit? Yeah. But that basketball is an afterthought right now. I, th- I think we should be thinking yeah. about basketball in this conversation too. Yeah, yeah. and it could be that, that even, you know, basketball decides to, to, to push back maybe their schedule concurrently uh, to give themselves as much, you know, wiggle room as possible to let this thing push a little farther down the road. From what, you know, everything I hear and I read is that the, the, the chief concerns of the decision makers with basketball uh, relative to the environment. Um, with the outdoor sports um, you know, risk of transmission could be mitigated somewhat by the ability to space and carriage of air and those kinds of things. When you're when you're closing 
you know, people into a, a, an indoor environment, the concerns are, are now modified. And, and either way, whether football or basketball, you know, we're talking about limiting venue capacity, limiting spectatorship, and all these things we're trying to do, you know, take away from what make sports sports, right? So, so much of, 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 you know, sports is the notion of fun. I mean, the bottom line is what we get to do, they're jobs, but they're fun jobs. Sports are fun. Games, they're, they're very, the, 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 the very notion of the word game connotes fun. Um, there's passion, there, there's pageantry, there's spectatorship, there's proximity, there's closeness, there's intensity, and all these things we're having to push away in, in, in the name of, 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 uh, of hygiene and, and sanitation and protection and mitigation. And so all the things that make what we do so much fun are, are gone. And, and it's much like wearing a mask. Okay, when we're not on this show right now, when we're going about our business, we're putting on our masks, and that's how we interact with people. Well, the people you see, you don't see all of them. Now, you see half their face. You can't tell if they're smiling or frowning or having a great day or a bad day, but that's our life right now. We live life with these masks on. And when you talk, what you say may not be as clear as it used to be. It's a little muffled. And, and, and so that's life with a mask. And, and the sports world is being masked, right? Things aren't going to quite sound right? Things aren't going to quite look right. We're not going to quite be able to tell what we're seeing sometimes. That's where we are right now. And so, you know, the, 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 the notion of having fun this season has kind of taken a backseat to just playing games if we can. Greg Rubel with us on BYU Sports Nation. Greg, we'll finish with this uh, as we shift gears a little bit. We were discussing the most impactful decision in BYU sports history Based on the 10-year anniversary of LeBron James making his decision to take his talents to South Beach. So, in your opinion, what is the most impactful decision in the history of BYU sports? Well, I would say there's no question that it's, it's hiring Lavelle Edwards from defensive coordinator to head coach for the 1972 season. So, if we could agree... If we could agree that that's the that that's the most impactful decision, and do we have do we have concurrence there? That, yes. is, that yep. is concurrence. 100%. Yes. Okay. Yep. So if we agree that's number one, um, if not one A, maybe number two might be Lavelle's decision to bring in Dewey Warren, mm. the former Tennessee quarterback, to be his quarterback's coach and change the way BYU played offensive football. Lavelle knew that what was happening prior to his taking the head coaching job probably wasn't going to fly and get BYU where it needed to go. They had to do something different. And the game changer was opening it up with Dewey Warren and those quarterbacks. And so we all agree, Lavelle, absolutely the most impactful decision. But then Lavelle deciding in turn to change the way BYU played the game truly was a game changer. Absolutely. Great, great stuff. Uh, we appreciate the time. And uh, I mean, it goes without saying our fingers are crossed that uh, we can figure this thing out and, and play college football and be listening to you in the fall. Um, but uh, for now, <laughs> we, we hope on and, and just uh, keep... Keep keep going on. We'll be listening to you regardless in the hallway, but we want everyone else yeah, to hear You it. have no choice. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is true. Jaron brings up a fantastic point. But uh, in all seriousness, nice, yeah, no, great stuff. Thank you so much. All right. Greg Rubel on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why, we show how. In 1972, Lavelle's first year, they have the nation's leading rusher in Pete Van Valkenburg. They could have said, no, 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 this is like pretty good. I think they went six and five. But uh, Greg's exactly right. The, Dewey idea, Warren. the idea to bring in somebody... 
And he was nicknamed the Swamp Rat, which is hilarious. <laughs> he came in and he was innovative. And then all of a sudden, BYU has this line of not only quarterbacks, but offensive coordinators. Um, and, and some of that will be explored coming up on Media Day in a show in the afternoon called BYU Football, A History of Offensive Innovation. That'll be cool. That'll be cool. Including a conversation with Dewey Warren. With the Swamp Rat. Which is pretty awesome. Okay, coming up, we'll chat with the man who spent all night running uh, up and down on Mount Timpanogos twice. Why? Does he need an intervention? We will discuss. And the top 10 defenses BYU football will face in 2020. It's our 10 and 10. This is BYU Sports Nation. Listen to BYU Sports Nation on demand. You can download the podcast, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. Subscribe, rate, and give us that five-star review, baby. He is Jeremiah Spencer, and this is BYU Sports Nation. You know what happens next? Of course you do. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Athletics News. Today, the Ivy League is expected to announce a plan to move all fall 2020 sports, including football, to spring 2021. To this point, no league has made this move yet. Cougars in Pro Hoops. And in Spain, no less, Barcelona has announced plans to extend Brandon Davies' deal through the end of the 2021-2022 season. Davies joined Barcelona last season, played in 56 games with the team, 28 of those in the EuroLeague where he averaged almost 10 points a game and four rebounds. Football. Former Cougar quarterback, now Alabama offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian underwent a successful cardiovascular surgery Thursday. During an annual physical, it was determined he needed surgery to correct a congenital cardiovascular anomaly. The countdown for Sark, his Alabama Crimson Tide, BYU football, and the rest of the college football world, for that matter, continues. Hit it! The countdown to the youths. 57! 57 days! Weird one. A perfect segue into the latest 10 and 10. Jerem Jordan today with the top 10 defenses BYU football will face in 2020. Take it away, Jerome. Hit it again. (laughs) 10 lists in 10 weeks. It's Jerem, 10 and 10. Defenses not listed, Northern Illinois and North Alabama. Shocker. Number 10, Utah State. The Aggies were ranked 100-plus in FBS in rushing yards and total yards allowed last year. Machine-like tackler David Woodward missed a bunch of the season and is gone. Tipa, uh, Tipa Naliai, one of the leaders in sacks and TFLs, is also gone. Shaq Bond leads the secondary at safety. Nick Henninger had nine and a half tackles for loss. Troy Leffridge, junior, had 104 tackles at safety. He's playing linebacker. All right, the Aggies uh, solidly attend. Number nine, Houston. This was one of the worst units in the nation last year. Bottom 20 in points and yards allowed. No bueno. So why are they higher than Utah State? Nickel Grant Stewart had a team on 97 tackles. He's moving to linebacker. Here's why. Four power five transfers are eligible after transferring in the secondary. So they think they're going to have this injection of talent. Okay, I'm still trying to figure out why ESPN thinks that uh, Houston is a favorite in Provo. I, because BYU has won seven games last year. So I don't know. Number eight, Stanford. Cardinal were ninth worst in passing defense nationally. Bottom 40 in yards allowed. Three good players entered the transfer portal, including backer Andrew Pritz, the leading tackler last season. Cornerback Paulson Adebo could have gone to the NFL. He's returning to the farm after back-to-back first-team all Pac-12 seasons. But this this team has some talent, but I have them number eight. On wow, I'm, I'm shocked by that. A little bit low for usually tough-nosed Stanford defense. Not the same Stanford right now. Number seven, Michigan State. The past three seasons, the Spartans have been top 20 in yards allowed under D.C. Mike Tressel. Yet Tressel, under new head coach Mel Tucker, isn't the D.C. He's the safety coach. 
Scotty Hazleton is the new D.C. from Kansas State. Only three returning starters. Defensive tackle Naquan Jones has NFL talent, and safety Xavier Henderson will be an all-conference candidate. This is fair because Michigan State is dealing with the coaching turnover, and it just takes a while to get adjusted to all of those new schemes. They had a good defense, but they lost a lot of guys. Number five, Arizona State. Eight starters are back from a top 35 defense in points and rushing last year. In fact, that rush defense was better than Alabama, Texas, and Washington, perhaps because a lot of Pac-12 teams passed. The Sun Devils allowed six plays of 50-plus last year, eighth in FBS, second most forced fumbles per game in the country. They're changing from a 3-3-5 to a 4-3, and it does help that the co-DCs are former NFL coach Marvin Lewis and NFL player Antonio Pierce. Minnesota uh, is probably the best team overall on BYU's schedule this year, at least I think. Uh, if the defense is number six, I think the Cougars have a shot, Jerem. I think I just read five for Arizona State. So let's go backwards to number six, which we're showing right now. My apologies. Five of the top six tacklers for Minnesota at number six are gone, including second-round pick Antoine Winfield Jr. Five starters return from a top-ten defense in total in passing yards. Leading tackler Jordan Howden runs a talented secondary. Defensive lineman Micah Du trade uh, Treadway anchor a line that allowed 122 rush yards a game. So there's Minnesota. Okay. Uh, the thing in common here, BYU plays all of these teams on their home fields. <laughs> yes. To number five, I already talked about Arizona State. Uh, they have uh, some really quality players, as I mentioned. Uh, really good rush defense. NFL experience at number five for Arizona State. So let's skip ahead to number four now. All right. Number four, Boise State. Lots to replace here, including Curtis Weaver, the all-time leading tackler in Mountain West history. Dimitri Washington is his replacement. He had four sacks in the last five games. Broncos were top 35 in points and yards allowed. Avery Williams had four career picks uh, and four forced fumbles at cornerback. He's the leader back there. Leading tackler Ryan Wimpy is back as well. Boise State... I am hoping is a top 25 team in BYU goes up to the blue and wins there for the first time against the Broncos on the blue. Exactly. And Boise State, I think, is going to be really good. They have to replace some good guys, but their schedule shapes out to be really nice. They're, they have, they're in they have seven to, home games. They're in position to run the table again. Number three in best defenses BYU will face this fall, San Diego State. This was Whoa. a top five defense in 2019. Second in points and rushing yards, fifth in total yards, second in three and outs to Clemson. Seven returning starters. So they lost some key pieces, but seven of that top five defense NFL are NFL guys. Uh, Luke Barku led the nation with nine picks. He's, he's gone. Three all-league players gone. But the seven that are return are good. Uh, Tarek Thompson, Darren Hall, Cameron Thomas. The defense is the calling card for the Aztecs now. Remember, Rocky Long is gone. He's the D.C. at New Mexico. Brady Hoke was the D-line coach. He's the head coach. He's a defensive-minded guy. They won't be in the top five, but I think they'll be top 35. Wow, number three on this list. I'm a little hesitant here uh, just because they were so good, especially in the secondary. And Rocky Long's not there. I think he was a big part of why San Diego State was so good. No offense to Brady Hoke, or maybe that is offense to Brady Hoke. Well, defense to Brady Hoke, right? Number two, Utah. The Utes produced six NFL draft picks from its defense, plus some free agents. They lost nine total starters. So why are they number two here? Good question. Because I just think they're always good on defense, right? They are. They were top six in points and yards. Incoming defensive back Clark Phillips III is the highest-rated Ute recruit ever. Lots of questions to answer, but Utah is typically produced, especially on this side of the ball. Leading tackler Devin Lloyd returns. Monster. Question, will Morgan Scally be the defensive coordinator? He's on, uh, you know, he's suspended indefinitely. They haven't fired him. 
I'm guessing he will be if they haven't fired him yet, but that's a major question mark here because he's been a good DC the last several years. Yeah, everything uh, points to the Utes that retaining, they would. retaining him and keeping him as the defensive coordinator based on the recent reports. And the top defense that BYU will face in 2020 is Missouri. The Tigers went 6-6, six and six, but it wasn't because of the defense. Ranked 6th in passing defense, 16th in points, 14th in yards allowed, a 4-2-5 version of the nickel. They ranked 4th in defensive efficiency. Linebacker Nick Bolton was Pro Football Focus's best Power 5 rated linebacker, and his 107 regular season tackles led the SEC. That was a shocker in my research that Missouri is the best team. Mm, yeah, uh, bring it in Provo. Uh, Zach Wilson, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this is a game that BYU is going to win based on where and when it happens, if it happens. If it happens, let's go. <laughs> Coming up, who's the best wearing number 46? And BYU head volleyball coach Sean Olmstead on his new signees and why he's running up and down Mount Tipanogos multiple times in the same day. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Join us July 20th for BYU Football Media Day to get you ready for the season starting at 11 a.m. Eastern Time with State of the Program, a two-hour BYUFN web chat, and BYU Football, a history of offensive innovation. It's July 20th on BYU TV and BYU Radio. I want to mention that uh, Morgan Scali has been reinstated. Correct. He will coach the defense. So thanks for that update. Yeah, he's, he's a very good defensive coordinator. So I think Utah is going to be excellent on defense again. Not as good as last year, no doubt, but they'll be good. Yeah, what else? That's is great news. Yeah, yeah, exciting. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation in Studio B. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, our second guest of the day, one of our program favorites, head volleyball coach of what we think is going to be the number one team in America, Sean Olmstead. Sean, we want to begin today by rolling out our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports <laughs> Nation stat of the day. John Olmstead ran up and down Tipanogos twice Friday night. Was it? It was Friday night. Friday or was night. Was it last night? Or was it last night, Sean? No, it was, it was Friday night. Yeah, Friday night, the third, and finished uh, about got back at home 4:30 in the morning on uh, July 4th. Okay, you ran 100 miles as well, like in a day. Can you t- can you tell us like mentally what it takes to do that? Because we have questions we have concerns we have respect we have a lot of feelings Sean (laughs) no I just that's the part I enjoy is being able to push beyond kind of the the physical discomfort and 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 mentally being able to just push myself beyond what would be you know comfortable or what we would consider comfortable and that's uh that's why I continue to kind of go back and to search for more and uh probably within the next week I'm gonna I'm gonna go up to uh, three times in a row. So that's my next little thing I'm going to knock off the list. And so uh, I'll keep you guys posted. And every time I get up there, I send a text to Chad Lewis and Tom Homo. All right, round number one. And then, you know, round number two at one thirty in the morning up there uh, with my lights on and, and my dog with me. Is the cell service good at the top of temp? Yeah, it's super good at the top of Tim. So if you want me to FaceTime you, Jerem, I, I, I can FaceTime <laughs> do, do it, please. No matter what time it is, okay. see if I answer. I'm, okay. I'm dead serious. Do I'll it. do that. Hey, Sean, if okay. you'd like to expend some more energy and uh, help a guy out, I've got a rock wall in the backyard of the new house that I'm hoping to get into. So That's not um, enough running. C- c- come on over and use those muscles yeah. to move the rocks out of the way. No, and that's what I don't have is the muscles. I've got I've got kind of the heart and just uh, the the will up here, and I just keep going. I put it in kind of a low gear and just find my 
find my forever pace and keep moving. Sean Olfse with us on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, uh, your accomplishments aside, and they continue to we, grow. We could just go the whole segment on that, but <laughs> let's talk volleyball. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk no, about let's your talk, team. Let's talk volleyball. Sure. Yeah. Volleyballmag.com uh, ranks your recruiting class number 10 in the nation. BYU has a history of overachieving. While you might not have the number one class every year, you find yourself near the top of the polls every year. What's the secret to success, and why is this class uh, going to keep you near the top? Yeah, we're really, really, really excited about this class, actually. And, um, you know, the uh, I think we all understand how those those rankings come about. And and in, in my opinion, we've got a, a handful of talented kids. Um, you know, some of them haven't been playing volleyball as long as other recruits. But each one of them, you know, come from really, really good backgrounds, uh, are excited to be at BYU and work hard. And I think that's what BYU's always done is we've been able to find those kids that in a way fly under the radar, that are going to grow, that are going to learn our systems, that are going to get stronger, that are going to be in our gym and get that experience in the competition with the guys we have. And from there, they're going to flourish. And, and we've seen that. We've seen that every year, you know. Zach Eschenberg this year is a perfect example of that. You know, he, he wouldn't have been uh, blowing up all the rank recruiting sites and, and, and the rankings, but that's a kid that came in, believed in what we were talking about, you know, good background, worked hard and, and accomplished, has accomplished great things. And fortunately for us, he's coming back and, and going to accomplish more. So that's how we look at this class as well. We like the numbers and uh, I think there's some good physical strong kids that uh, are young in the sport and, and they're going to learn through trial and error, but we're going to put them in a good place to, to learn and grow. BYU volleyball reminds me of BYU football in the eighties in that freshmen, if maybe one makes an impact because you've developed the upper class to where there's this nice rhythm, right? You're not dependent on freshmen a ton. Davide Gardini, perhaps an exception, you know, two years ago or whatever, but that that's awesome. So let's talk about a couple of these guys that could make an impact next year. And we'll definitely see an impact in the next couple of years. So let's start with Zio Meyer. This is a setter out of Wheaton, Illinois lefty that goes on to a ton and, and he can whip it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really good arm from the service line. Uh, as of right now, he's going to learn, you know, he's going to learn uh, when to get after it. But when he wants, when he gets a hold of it, uh, he, he can hit the ball just as well as the, the rest of our team and, and that we have right now currently from the service line. He can really get a hold of it. He's, he is a lefty. Uh, I like his creativity. You know, we're going to we're going to get him into our system, teach him. But the one thing we've encouraged with him is we, we want him to play the game the way that he enjoys it, you know, and, and that's going to be also kind of a learning curve, you know, uh, how to run our offense. And so it's exciting that Will is actually coming back. And Zio has been excited about that, you know, because it went from uh, a different group of setters that we would have had in the gym. Now we've got Will uh, where we, you know, Will can kind of be there as a mentor for Zio. But that's a kid that we've been watching and recruiting for years now. And, and he's become an All-American. Uh, he's played out a club in California, moved out there and played a whole year uh, of Southern California club volleyball. Now he's back in Chicago. And so it's a kid that uh, you guys are going to really, really enjoy watching. A good, good feel for the game. Confident, too, which I like a lot. And uh, so we're really excited about him. Sean, how typical is it that you spend multiple years on a recruit like you did with Zio, who's in Wheaton, Illinois, of all places? So, I mean, is this the norm or is he a guy that uh, it was special and you've been watching him for a while? 
Yeah, no, I mean, we begin watching these kids like every sport, you know, from a young age, because they're playing in these organized club events that are have, have grown from, you know, certain locations to these national events. So you begin to see them in sometimes seventh and eighth grade and you're recruiting them. And if you look at you look at some of the other sports like women's volleyball, they're getting commitments from kids as young as, you know, freshmen in high school. You know, that 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 doesn't happen as frequently with men's volleyball. But we've kept an eye on these kids and and most of our recruits have been, especially in this class, are kids that we've been watching for a couple of years. Uh, and then, of course, you target the ones that way we really need. We need these guys to make an impact on our program, kind of like going after a big time quarterback, you know. And so depending on the position and the needs, you know, that's kind of how we've narrowed things down. Did you feel like with this class that you had a major need you needed to fill, given that you're having a lot of the pieces come back next year? No, we felt like we wanted to get the best kind of mix of volleyball players. So, you know, before before everything happened, yes, we had a we had a major emphasis in the setting position, of course. Um, but we felt like we needed to get uh, kind of just a mix of good volleyball players because we did, like you explained, Jerem, in terms of the older guys, we had guys that would have been on our roster still, you know, the Gabby, the Davide. And so getting some some guys in those positions and opposite and outside, those guys would be able to develop, be able to learn from the older guys. So uh, kind of both both ways, but then the, the pandemic hit. And so it changed the dynamics of things a little bit. But yeah, a big focus for us in this class was was the setter position for sure right off the bat. Sean, let's finish with this. You bring up the pandemic. What type of contingencies are you planning on uh, because volleyball starts in the middle of the winter, in, in January? Uh, what, what type of things are you preparing for? You know, right now, we're working right now directly. I, I was on the phone this morning with our, our international students just to keep them keep them in the loop, you know, keep that, that open lines of communication. That's really, really important right now, especially kind of all those moving parts there. And then and then what we're seeing across the country is, uh, uh, especially in our sport right now, because we still are, uh, you know, five, six months away, there's still a lot of hesitancy in terms of commitments uh, uh, of matches, of games, just because there's so much un- unknown. And as you guys know, I mean, this is a fluid, the, the constantly changing every day. <laughs> and, and right now we're waiting to see what the Ivy League does. And when the Ivy League says what they're going to do, you know, what does that do for the rest of the country? How do the, how do the other presidents of universities react? And so I, I truly believe we've got great leadership in Tom and Brian and Liz that and up to the president and the new vice president that really have been great uh, communicating with us and, you know, kind of taking it upon themselves to be at the forefront of everything and, and letting us know how things evolve on the daily. I now know why your mental faculties are pushing you to run up and down Tippinogas twice in one night to keep from going crazy in COVID-19. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, that probably could be true. <laughs> Sean, we're excited about your team, and uh, it's always great to talk to you, man. Stay healthy. We'll talk again soon. All right. I always enjoy chatting with you guys. Thank you very much. See you on FaceTime. Sean Holmstead on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Bryce Jarman's brother's in there. Uh, A dude named Brigham. I love it. This is great. Okay, coming up, a whole lot of golf in the Rising Shadow. And the best to wear number 46, multiple Super Bowl rings. This is BYU Sports Nation. Who could it be? 
BYU Sports Nation continues with a daily reminder. The show available on demand anytime via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps, or you can download the podcast. Hey, we're counting up to 99, one number each show, and determining who was the best athlete to wear each digit at BYU. Today, we zero in on number 46. It's Tom Homo, who happens to be the athletic director as well. He was a good player. I think people forget that, uh, which brings us to this stat. 13 career picks, ranked sixth all-time at BYU. Wow. And he really had 14 because he had one in the 81 Holiday Bowl, but it doesn't count. Bowl game stats didn't count until later, right? What's with that? He had seven as a sophomore, so just really peaked early. I'm just kidding. Uh, 13's amazing. Four Super Bowl rings, three as a player for the Niners, one as a coach. Look at, the, look at this film. Did we pull the one-inch reels out? Oh, oh Tom Homo. Was that in 79 as a freshman? I've never, the boom. I've never seen these, these clips. This is amazing. I'm look so the, happy. Look at the oh, speed, the down, speed the down the side. Did he get in? Did he have three pick sixes? Because 82 Georgia, 81 Washington State, and then I couldn't tell who that was. We're going to need him to confirm this, but yeah, maybe. Uh, remember, he played in the Miracle Bowl as well. Of course it did. Outstanding. Honorable mention, Shane Muirbrook, who had six sacks in the Cotton Bowl. In the Cotton Bowl. A six miracle in, in a and game. of itself. We hope a BYU player has six for a season. He had six in a game. In a safety. BYU was down 15-5 to five in that game <laughs> because of the Shane Muirbrook safety. Yes. They enter the fourth down 15-5. <laughs> Great stuff at 46. All right, our question of the day. What's the most impactful decision made in BYU sports history? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mount Resort from Doug Heath. Anything other than Lavelle Edwards choosing to pass the ball is the wrong answer. It impacted all of college football and the NFL, too. Specifically, the idea to pass. Interesting. Today's rising shout-outs. You for your Eagle Friday. Thank Michael you. Smith for his hole-in-one. His sixth hole-in-one in his career. That's incredible. And mine goes to another pretty good golfer. Peter Quest is making his PGA Tour debut this summer. Just played in the Rocket Mortgage Classic. He's got his eyes set on becoming not just uh, a good golfer, but the very best. Probably be number one in the world, I'd say so. I mean, dream big, why not? You know, I know it's probably a bold thing to say, but I think, you know, why not? Why not be number one in the world? Why not try? I love his temperament, his ambition. I like his hair the most. Shout out to Golf TV for uh, the video right there. All right, our thanks to today's guests, Greg Rubel and Sean Olmstead. Sorry to Dustin Pitta, no time. Use the hashtag BYUS and talk to us whenever you feel like it on social media. For Jeremy, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Ray Braithwaite. We'll see you tomorrow. Go Cougs.